Even after, I did some of my biggest sins after I got saved. And I fell away in some of the darkest things. I, mean, I casted out demons. I saw rooms full of demons uh, getting cast out. I've seen miracles, there's been angels, everything. And I still fell away. There was a rock star named Marilyn Manson. You know, people in their 30s and 40s usually know who he was in his heyday. We lived that life. We would go into clubs, five or six of us, and all of us would get thrown out at different times. <laughs> For, you know, fights, drugs, no matter what. And like, I'd go out and party with all my friends and we'd, we'd go backstage at shows and we'd do all these drugs, but they would leave home with their girlfriends. And it would really upset me and it, and it festered in me. And I, I was living life just to hate God. I, I hated him. I thought, you know, hey, you made me this way and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you back. So we would do every drug, every, you know, orgies, you name it, you know. Hi, welcome to Touching the Afterlife. Our guest today is Steve. Steve has a unique and encouraging testimony one of hope for the hopeless, a true prodigal son story. He fell in deep into rebellion for years, even to the point of suicide. So let's find out how God brought him back to restoration. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for being with me today. Uh, first of all, I'd like to I like to always start off. My, my testimony is already on different platforms and it's reaching quite a bit. I have a mailbox full of suicidal prodigals, you know, people that have fallen away because they think they blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Um, basically, uh, I want to make a disclaimer that God <laughs> rescues wicked people, homosexuals from lives of sin in the millions. He did it to me. But my major uh, thing that I'm going for when I'm doing this testimony is not only the wickedness that I was that God transformed me, but I'm trying to show you that even after I did some of my biggest sins after I got saved. And I fell away in some of the darkest things. I'm going to keep it very G-rated. Um, I have people that contact me all the time that I tell different, you know, elements of those stories in a, in a higher fashion of X-rated. But the thing is, is that my testimony is, is a testament of mercy. And it shows that no matter how far you've gone, because this is, I casted out demons. I saw rooms full of demons uh, getting cast out. I've seen miracles. There's been angels, everything. And I still fell away. And I still went into absolute rebellion. So I'm doing this testimony, not only because of prophetic utterance and people that have seen me doing it, but to help the other person on the side of that screen that is no doubt looking up verses like Hebrews 10, 26, Hebrews 6, thinking they can't come back to God. Um, some of my friends have got to this and they've committed suicide. They've died in their sins. So that is what the, the basis of the testimony that I'm going for on this is. Now, like, uh, you know, my basic salvation testimony is not all that, you know, exciting. I'm going to go into that now. You know, I grew up in Florida in the time of uh, there was a rock star named Marilyn Manson. You know, people in their 30s and 40s usually know who he was in his heyday. He was very big um, from about 14 to about 20. I lived in Florida and I had access to uh, friends of mine that were pushing like hundreds of pounds of marijuana, cocaine, heroin, you name it. My dad was overseas. You know, my mother was, uh, worked for a computer company. We had a lot of money. You know, we were very like upper middle class and I got dropped out in the ninth grade and I did nothing but the most debaucherous partying you can think of. We would go to five concerts a month. We would meet rock stars. I mean, there would be, uh, I had a lunchbox. And I used to carry narcotics and lighter fluid, and we would go around setting fires. I mean, just to give a, a little bit of an indicate, when I was 17, 
I was, I took five hits of LSD and I lit like 20 acres of woods on fire outside of my house, lost my virginity to a guy and a girl the same week to let you know what level of sin that I was in. Now, I'm not saying that to glorify it. You know, I'm saying it as a testimony of where I am now. You know, I was in and out of psychiatric hospitals at the time. I mean, uh, we lived that life. We would go into clubs, five or six of us, and all of us would get thrown out at different times <laughs> for, you know, fights, drugs, no, no matter what. And during this time, the seed of rebellion, I think, that came into me was that I was a homosexual. And um, at that time in the 90s, like nowadays, everybody's trans. You can go on TikTok and you just see trans people and tarot card. Re it wasn't like that in the early 90s. Like in New York and L.A., it was but like in normal town, like in, in our high schools, there was like one or two gay people you knew about. And it tormented me. And I believe that God made me gay. And like I'd go out and party with all my friends and we'd we'd go backstage at shows and we'd do all these drugs, but they would leave home with their girlfriends. And it would really upset me and it, and it festered in me. And I began to get into things like Marilyn Manson and very dark arts and the occult. You know, thankfully, I didn't get into ritualistic practice, you know, but like we would. I was living life just to hate God. I, I hated him. I thought, you know, hey, you made me this way and I'm going to I'm going to pay you back. So we would do every drug, every, you know, orgies, you name it. You know, I'm not trying to glorify it. You know, so that was about from about 14 to 19. What really kind of woke me up is my friend Alex died on my floor of a heroin overdose. And that really kind of woke me up. I, I kind of always believed in God. I mean, we, you know, I believed in Nostradamus and pro prophecy and you know, everybody, you know, my friends claim to be Christian, but I didn't know what repentance was. I didn't know what living a holy life was. You know, I just said the prayer and that was it. I lived like the devil. And I'll get to that later because like when I really actually got converted, you know, I actually repented, metanoia of my sin. But when he died, you know, long story short, I moved up to North Carolina and I sat down with this pastor. And this pastor is a man of God. He's still in my life. He's a I call him the apostolic grandpa. You know, he's like the Mr. Rogers in my story. And he was the only one that showed me love. He sat me down and, um, you know, I had long black hair. I had, you know, makeup on. I looked a lot like Marilyn Manson at that time period. And, you know, he told me that homosexuality was wrong. And I kept trying to, you know, justify it. I'm like, well, can I just bring a boyfriend to church and hold hands with him and we won't have sex? And he's like, no, you know. <laughs> so he was very patient with me. And I'd never had a man of God do that. And I'm sure he's, he's watching this right now. I mean, I just uh, I just saw him recently. He's very proud of me. But he handed me my first Bible. I'd never read a Bible before. Uh, I, I didn't know the difference between a Pentecostal and a Catholic. I wasn't, you know, my dad was special forces. He was gone a lot. They weren't bad parents. But I didn't know nothing about God except for like, Nostradamus, you know, you know, John Hagee on television. I believed in the book of Revelation, you know, I think, you know, I believed in all that. This is before the Illuminati stuff was really, 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 really popular. But, you know, he uh, handed me my Bible and I went home and the very first verse that I opened to in the Bible out of every verse I could have opened to was Romans one. And even in that time, I didn't know this was the Holy Ghost at the time. I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues. I didn't know nothing. I read Romans 1, and if you read Romans 1, it has at least 22 categories in it that list as a reprobate, right? You know, there's haters of God, gossips, you know, the disrespectful to parents. And I read all these, and I didn't just fit one or two. I fit all 22. And I got so upset. And, and you know, like a friend of mine told me years ago, he's like, well, at least you, <laughs> at least you had the Holy Ghost discernment to realize that it was you. You know, you weren't prideful. 
but you know, I, I, I couldn't take it. So I basically threw the Bible across the room and said, you know, I'm done because I already had rejection issues. I already, you know, so I'm like, okay, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a good sinner. I might as well just go and sin, you know, to my heart's content, you know, and that kind of, you know, I seared my conscience for another five years. And during this time, social media was getting really big with uh, Facebook or no Facebook hadn't come wrong. It was MySpace was really the, the thing. And uh, so I had this, I started cropping this image about myself, like, you know, like I have full sleeve, you know, tattoos and uh, I started to lose a lot of weight and, and the, the sexual encounters or the things that I wanted in my youth that I was so mad about here, all of a sudden I'm going to clubs and girls and guys are throwing themselves at me. I have lines of people online. I always used to tell people, I was like, a lot of people don't sin for lack of opportunity. I had a lot of opportunity. I had lots of money and drugs. And I look like several different rock stars. Now, I do like have some pictures from those times because when I got saved, I threw away a lot of them. And I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and post some of them here. You know, these are pictures from some of my past here. You know, I uh, during this time down in Florida, you know, I met like Rob Zombie. Here's a picture of him. Uh, you know, the millionaire makeup mogul is known as Jeffree Star before he became super famous. You know, he invited me on his bus for obvious things. Um, I slept with RuPaul's drag race contestants that are, that are very big now that they, before they made it big. And this is the kind of lifestyle that I lived. I mean, this was, I was going to college. I eventually graduated with a, with a, you know, psychology degree, but like I had just free money everywhere. I mean, just unlimited money. And I was searing my conscience, you know, and I would know it was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I would be having, you know, huge orgies and drugs and like, I would always joke and I was like, you know, the book of Revelation is true. I'm running to church, you know, <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is that during that, you know, during that whole time, I rolled with, with some pretty, you know, wicked people. I tell this story all the time. My friend Kim, you know, Kayla Custom Rockwear.com. I give her a plug. She makes all the clothes for like uh, Alice Cooper, Judas Priest, uh, Randy Orton from the WWE and stuff. And we'd go out after shows and, and people would come up and ask for my autograph thinking I was in the band. You know, I mean, I, I was friends with at the time, uh, Brian Warner, which is not Marilyn Manson, Brian Warner, but Brian Warner is the founder of the satanic temple, not the uh, Anton LaVey, but the satanic temple. And he helped, uh, there's a Baphomet statue, the big, uh, statue that you've probably seen you know going all around the country for the satanic temple he helped commission that so, with lucian grave steve why don't you tell me about how you became friends with the founder of the satanic church okay well okay first of all it's a satanic temple it's two different organizations there's all kinds of overlap between atheistic satanism and luciferians that actually practice you know sorcery and witchcraft um he was a friend of my friend Adams and my friend Kayla. And I went, you know, I would party at his house. I left my narcotics in his couch one night. Um, he's also a huge uh, death metal singer. I knew him when he worked for UPS. You know, he didn't, you know, he eventually became a multimillionaire and he started the Satanic Temple. He built those statues, but then he actually left because he's not, he's actually a Trump supporter and a Jew. And he is, is not for a lot of like the political stuff out there. He left because it was too liberal. And believe it or not, besides the blast, he does interviews online and he, he does interviews, you know, and talks about how his dad basically abandoned him. And I believe a lot of people that have problems with God have problems with their earthly father. I know I did. But he um, 
you know, we were acquaintances, you know, I've partied at his house. In fact, during my backslide, I was going to go down to Florida and party with him, but he kind of has uh, like pentagrams in his house. And even, even in the worst of my backslide, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think I can do that. So I pray for Brian. Like I said, he is a Jew. Um, he has strangely enough, some more morals than a lot of lukewarm Christians that I know. So, I mean, that, you know, that, that was just, like I said, this is just one acquaintance that I had. I mean, like I said, I, I think I said earlier, I was friends with Marilyn Manson's tour manager too. You know, I was acquaintances with him, but like it, as far as, the, and, and during this time, you know, not only was I partying with these people, you know, I had multiple car wrecks that I had not a scratch on me. And you know, looking back on it now, I know I was under protection. I mean, I was in a car one time with a porn star and we took a corner and, and I ran into this like post and the post came straight through the window and stopped right here at his chest. I mean, that would have been a manslaughter charge for me. I mean, I can go on and on on all the times that I've been protected, you know, but now I'm going to, I mean, that's just kind of summing up, you know, I try to sum up everything because if I, if I told every story of the past 10 years, it'd be like going to a member of Motley Crue and, and trying to tell them to tell you all the things that happened. I don't even remember a lot of my twenties, but as far as how I got saved, you know, I don't, to me, it's not that much of an impressive thing. You know, it's not some crazy story. A lot of my stuff happened afterwards, but like, you know, there was just a point where I had, you know, like I said, I knew about Revelation. Uh, you know, I used to watch John Hagee even when I was, you know, in my sin. And I, you know, I, I started asking God, I was like, you know, something's wrong. I was like, there, you know, there's just, I felt like this, I know it's the Holy Spirit now, but I was like, there, you know, people are just marching to the beat of their own drummer. They're, you know, something's wrong. It's like, you know, father, can, can, can you tell me the truth? And then like a couple of days later, a friend of mine sent, and this is what the, the world calls synchronicity, but a friend of mine sent a, a documentary by Alex Jones. And I know Alex Jones has his problems, but it's, a, it's called Endgame. And I was familiar with Bible prophecy. You know, I was a Bible prophecy junkie. I just didn't live, you know, righteously. And when I saw that movie, uh, it, it showed me all the, you know, the world government systems and all the things that I'd read about. And I really got terrified because I'm like, oh, man, this is this is not happening 60 years from now. <laughs> this is this is going to be happening shortly. It's happening right now. What have I I have been asleep? I have been deceived. And I went through like a crisis of conscience. And it was almost like Paul in Damascus. I mean, my whole house was filled with every form of demonic, you know, horror movies. I mean, the the founder of the Satanic Temple even gave me a poster in my house of Rob Zombie. I had all this this evil and and it's like the scales came off my eyes and I'm like, "Oh my god, what have I been doing?" you know, and I tore down everything in the house, you know. I had this photo album that I call the photo album of doom. It is every form of orgy, debauchery, sin. I mean, I threw it in the trash can and I changed, but at the same time, remember, I've never, I didn't know nothing about God. Some people at least get raised in the church, right? They have at least some morals. I had none. I didn't know what speaking in tongues. I didn't know anything. So I went through this crisis of have I repented enough? Did I do enough? Am I good enough? Because I'm still struggling with my own, you know, I, I sowed seeds for 30 years as a wicked person. Some people get delivered immediately. Most don't. It takes time, right? So I'm struggling with homosexuality. I'm struggling with my earthly father who was like a military guy and you know is god this tyrant i call it the wilderness you know you got the, you got the easy grace jesus over here they tell you you can just say the prayer do whatever you want you're saved forever uh i was in the hebrew roots movement when i started so you have the black militant hebrew jesus who's black and he, you don't keep the law you're you're going you know you're going to hell then the pentecostal jesus is telling me if i don't speak in tongues and i'm not really saved so it was 
it was chaos. And a lot of people go through this, right? Not to mention, you know, false brethren and, and all the other stuff and translational errors. And I was just confused. I had had a changed life. I immediately want, you know, went from selfishness. I was like taking food to the hungry. You know, I had all these things that had changed about me. But like, you know, I was I was kind of just going back and forth. You know, the Bible talks about baby Christians being tossed from every wind and doctrine. And I joined this house church and it was healthy. And, and, and the Messianic guy, it's, it's in the Messianic church. He helped train a lot of big uh, Hebrew roots guys. And he showed me love. And we used to go out and feed the homeless and all these things. But I still struggled with all this pornography and these seeds that I sown into my life beforehand. Right. And then that house church, the guy died. And that left me kind of uh, like, where do I go? You know, I prayed to God to, to be for a community. And he answered. Now, this is where the, the testimony kind of gets, you know, a little you know, <laughs> into the miraculous. OK, and I want to make a, a disclaimer because I know the man of God is going to be watching. I moved to this place. It's a community. It's, it's a Book of Acts community. It's built much like the Amish, meaning they built everything from the ground up. There's no mortgages. Uh, it's an end times community, you know, fully self-sufficient. You know, people would call it a cult, but everybody's a cult now. Nobody calls the Amish a cult, you know, but I'm just saying that I went there. I flew out there and um, it, it's kind of like spiritual boot camp. It's not a church. You know, I was living with these people. I kind of I refer to it as like living with the Jedi Council. I got to literally sit around Yoda and um, Mace Windu and people from all over the country would fly into this place like a refuge and just cast out demons, heal the sick. I mean, I've been in rooms full of hundreds of people getting demons cast out of them. Little, little girls held down, foaming at the mouth. I mean, I've seen blood vessels, you know, pop out of people's eyes. I mean, I've seen, you know, one story, we were all casting out demons in this uh, room full of like two or 300 people. And, and as baby Christians, we were zealous, right? So we're, we would cast them out like, go to the pigs. Next door neighbor who had a pig farm, all of the pigs died <laughs> and and nobody could explain, you know, like, you know, my pastor at the time, he's like, well, they can't do nothing about spiritual warfare, you know, like, and the guy still thinks to this day, we poisoned his pigs, you know, and that's just one story. I mean, there's been cases of people where the demons will be coming out of them and they'll be speaking in some ancient 1500 dialect. I mean, the things that I've seen there. You know, I would not be where I'm at and be trained where I'm at because it was boot camp. I mean, we weren't most churches don't operate in, in, in general in this anymore. And deliverance is huge nowadays, but it's becoming like this this showy business. We didn't film. You know, there's people that have been raped. You know, we don't film that stuff. There's a time and a place to film it. But, you know, most people right now, it's 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 becoming ridiculous. Right. So in this community, you know. I'd be down there four days a week. You know, I lived about 10 miles from it. I'd stay the night. Me and the pastor got really, really close, you know. Uh, but at the time, because, you know, my own earthly father was a hard military disciplinarian and because I was a brat and I thought I knew it all and I'm a baby Christian, I was like this up and down. You know, one day I'd be OK. Thank God loves me. Next day I fell in porn. He hates me. And this baby Christians go through this all the time. And some people never come out of it. And that's why I'm making this testimony to show you the progress and, and the, the procession of what happens. And to this man of God's credit, he would, you know, would help me. He'd be patient with me. You know, I'd be up and down. He lives in a, it's like a valley, right? I'd be going up the hill every other night, praying, begging God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. And this particular church, now there's different sects that believe different things. 
they were like the United Pentecostal type thing, but they're into the Hebrew and they keep the Sabbath. Uh, they basically sing, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Now, I learned later, you know, I mean, the Bible tells you that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, right? Everybody I know that's received it, including me later, it comes up from within and out the mouth. You speak in tongues, right? So it was already there. And, and, and a lot of people had bad understanding. But because I would go up every week and I'd lift my hands and I'm like, you know, I would beg, I would cry, you know, and it wouldn't happen. And then uh, during deliverance, because if you know anything about deliverance, right, you know, I, I, I did deliverance for years, counseled people from all over the world. You don't get experience like that. Um, some people puke. Some people get thrown out of the chair. Some people take, you know, they look like, you know, Hercules running around some people's eyes. But I just cried. A I had numb hands. You know, I felt release. You know, I felt lighter. But because I didn't have these other kind of, you know, manifestations and because I wasn't receiving the Holy Spirit like everybody else, I started to start believe that, you know, that maybe maybe God, you know, maybe I just was too bad. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not saved and I'm not chosen. And, you know, and then and then on top of that, during this, you know, and like I said, no disrespect to the man of God. He was my apostolic father. He taught me everything I know. I respect him. Uh, I've seen that man be preaching and, and, and people in the back row just start falling out and, and, cat and demons coming out of them. I don't see that much anointing in a lot of preachers. You know, there's been times where the Holy Ghost will just come down on the audience, people just speaking in tongues out of nowhere. I don't see that a lot. Um, so between all that, you know, I just got so overwhelmed. But anyway, he, he, he took a second wife. Um, the church obviously had different fractions. People, people left. Um, you know, friends of mine, the wife and the kid would stay and, and the father left. So, you know, that destroyed a family. Um, I was a baby Christian, so I was running around slandering. Because when you do that in a church, you're going to have people talk about it and you're going to have people leave. And this man of God knew that. But, you know, I was going around talking stuff as a baby Christian. I was making accusations that I would find out that were not true later on. And then some were true. But, you know, I was being a brat. <laughs> And uh, things got really bad. And as a friend, you know, I would go to him and we would discuss things and like I would get mad. And then I eventually left and I started to fall away. And to the man of God's credit, I would, you know, send him emails like, hey, man, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But then I started falling away and I was ordering like $800 worth of drugs from the dark web to my house and I would be getting wasted. Then I would call him back and say, F you. And because we were friends and there was a lot of stuff that happened between us. Um, one of his elders did a blog talk radio broadcast where, you know, in deliverance, you're kind of a counselor. You you deal with people's sins all the time from all over the world. So you're kind of a counselor. You're, you're kind of an encourager, an exhorter, you know, so they know a lot of people's business. And I can't say nothing because, like I said, I was a baby Christian. You know, I got up there and started, you know, gossiping, too. I'm not innocent. Right. Um, but. You know, I, I did some shame. I'm 45. OK, I did some shameful things in my 20s and it drove me insane. And this was part of my process, because when I kept not being able to get the Holy Spirit, it turned into works. I believe in restitution. I believe people should pay back things they stole. But I started getting into this loop where, OK, well, maybe I need to pay this. But I would pay back department stores. I would I would pay back people that I stole. I would I would apologize to things I did 20 and it became this this religious OCD loop where I couldn't get out of it. And, and like it was I just fell away. 
And when this elder did this in front of all the people, he, he, he basically, cause I was talking a bunch of smack and, and we were all fighting. That's what brothers do. And he basically announced a whole bunch of stuff and, and it embarrassed me and it made me really bitter and angry and um, super angry. And I held on to it and I would cuss them out. And like, you know, the Bible tells you that, you know, if you don't forgive, you know, they'll hand you, God hand you over to something called the tormentors. I was attacking the ministry and this man of God handed me over to Satan. I absolutely believe that there is apostolic authority to hand someone over to Satan. And I tell people all the time it was the best thing that happened to me. But it got so bad that for about a month, they were praying Psalms 109 over me, the whole assembly in unison. And that's, that's, a, that's a curse of damnation almost. I'm like, God ain't going to answer those prayers. I'm sorry to tell you that. He's not. I was a baby Christian. He had every authority to hand me over. And I thank him for it because it changed my life. Because the Bible tells you, you know, after you've been chastised, it produces the, what? The pre peaceable fruit of righteousness. And for three years now, I've been absolutely at peace. But anyway, I, 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 you know, this is the meat of it. You know, as I left, you know, I got isolated and Satan loves to get, you know, people that are insecure in their faith and babies isolated. Right. And I, I basically would just, just sit around and I, would, I just slowly started getting back into drugs and I just slowly gave up and I didn't care, you know, but I have friends in my life. Now, let me make a, a a little disclaimer here when I say the word profit, <laughs> because that's a loaded word nowadays, because you have a lot of fiasco out there, especially with the Donald Trump fiasco. And you got baby prophets that are out, you know, having a vision and they don't know what it means. And they run to the Internet and there's a lot of false prophets. The people in my life that I'm going to talk about are friends of mine for 10 or 15 years. They're accurate. You know, I have an example one time, you know, like I was involved with the ministry. Nobody knew. All of a sudden, my friend comes to me with an open panoramic vision, wide awake. Two weeks later, this guy gets exposed. All this evil starts coming out about him. Uh, you know, people that I've known 15 years, I know their character. You know, some of them have written 15 books. These are real prophets, tested, proven, and tried. These aren't dartboard prophets, you know, that just make a guess here. There's going to be a hurricane next year. You know, these are real deal. And... I was in such despair. I went to my friend and said, can you please pray for me? And he had three open visions and he saw the anointing coming down me and he saw Jesus say that I would be delivered. Now, I knew that he had the vision. I know the guy He's not going to lie to me, but I I'd never had a vision before. I had one later, but I mean, I, I'd never heard God's audible voice before. I heard it once later. So I'm coming from a place of like, I don't know. Right? I'm like, OK, I believe you saw it. I don't know if that's what you heard, right? So I kept on. Then a friend uh, from the community that I was at, she had a dream and she saw me on a chalkboard and I was teaching, you know, and and God said, he hates me. So, so now I'm really confused, right? <laughs> so I go and I pray to God instead of, you know, like what most people would do is schluff it off. I was like, God, you know, I have this idea that you're this tyrant, that like everybody's going to hell, that, you know, like... Kind of like a lot of people have these ideas, like being saved is like winning the lottery, right? You might get in. You know, but it's probably a million to one, you know, you, you know, and I had these thoughts. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, why try? Right. Um, but she had that vision. It says that. So I went to and said, please change my perception of you, because if I hate you, then even if you started to work in me, then my heart ain't right with you. Right. So I, I kind of continued on because, like I said, when, when you, you get into sin, it's a pit. Pits are made. You can get a snag. But the pits made, you make the pit through your continued sin, right? And like I tell people 
that when you're in that pit, it's really, really, you know, hard to get out. Um, so I was, you know, bargaining with God. There's this one guy, he's written like 15 books, man of God for like 20 years, you know, absolutely, you know, been all around the world, accurate prophet, blah, blah, blah. I said, if he has a, a dream about me, I'll believe, right? Of course, he comes to me and he had seven dreams about seven different people. And he told me that, you know, he's already had confirmed at least three of them. And he gave me the dream. And, and in the dream, this is important because this ties into the, you know, the whole story at the end. But he said he had a dream where God said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And this is a reference to Revelation 3 in the Church of Philadelphia, which is exactly what I was in at the time. I was poor, blind, miserable and naked. OK. And, you know, and, and at the time I knew he had the dream, but I'm thinking, um, well, you know, that's kind of generic. You know, behold, I stand at that. Everybody says that, whatever, you know, I was like, God, you're going to have to come get me. Because this is one thing I tell people that are in this situation. If you're in sin right now, the devil's going to tell you, well, you've been in sin for Six months, you know, you might as well enjoy it. Get it out of your system. Don't do that. Repent quickly, because the more you sear your conscience, the harder it's going to be to get out of that pit. And eventually suicide will be the one, you know, the thing that the demonic spirits will bring to you. But anyway, it was a progression. It was a progression. Right. And I, I began searing my conscience, taking drugs. And like I tell people all the time, you know, if you notice any backslider, the longer they stay in sin, they will develop some kind of mental illness or torment. The book, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy, says that he will strike you with madness. If you continue, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar had to be struck with madness, right? I mean, sometimes that is the humble approach that he does, you know, and I I kept searing my conscience. I kept getting more angry. I kept, you know, like I said, I still would call the man. I'm sorry. And then I F you, you know, because we were friends and there was a lot of other stuff I don't talk about that happened between us. But, you know. So as that progression got worse, I got to the point where I started to literally lose my mind. I mean, I, I started to go into delusions. Uh, I basically had sleep paralysis where I would have demons at my neck. They couldn't touch me because in, in the past I had sleep paralysis. If I call on Jesus, they leave just like that. And, and, and they would be attacking me. I, I would There would be times where I could not get any sleep, maybe an hour of sleep a night. I'd try to sleep. I'd be jolted awake with some fear. I'd go to the bathroom and my knees would be shaking to a point. Now, I call it the fear of the Lord. Now, I tell people Hebrews 10 says, you know, a fiery expectation of judgment. And I tell people that the fires of hell are torment, fear, anxiety, the opposite of the fruits of the spirit. And it's a very important thing. If you are currently now, you may have be in this five years. You may be super rebellious like I was cussing out prophets and, and cursing God. You just may be someone that had a porn habit for two months and you didn't rein that in. If you're being chastised, because baby Christians always think that a chastisement is abandonment. That's what I thought. I thought all this was, okay, he's abandoned me. You might as well go and sin. No, that emptiness, that fear, that's meant to draw you back. I call it the Holy Ghost shock collar, right? You're not supposed to touch the hot stove. When you touch the hot stove, you're going to get burned. He's trying that. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you. So I tell people all the time, if you, the old cliche is true. If you, if you are upset, if you, you know, feel like you've numbed yourself and you want to come back to God, that's evidence that you can come back to God, but it's going to be hard. It takes a while to unsear your conscience. So anyway, um, this eventually, you know, and by the way, my friend, you know, friends of mine, another thing that happens is delusions. Uh, you know, I, there are different choices. I think of, I think in Isaiah, it tells you that he will choose your delusions, actually. <laughs> That's really scary. I had a homosexual friend that went back into transvestitism. Um, he started to believe that David and Jonathan had a gay relationship. Eventually, he died in his sin. And, and and no, everybody tried to rebuke him. Everybody tried to tell him. And if you keep searing your conscience, if you keep sinning, you will either go insane 
or you will actually believe the lies. I mean, like, you know, come on. I mean, this he was thinking that 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 the manna and 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 the and the Torah was mushrooms and that David and Jonathan were gay. I'm like, you know, this guy he and, and he eventually died. And I don't I believe it's very hard. I believe most people get restored. Okay, but it's in God's timing. And so I mean that's why I'm given hope. And and one of the major things I have a hope is this this eventually led to me locking myself in a hotel room for like almost two years. I quit most drugs, but I was drinking. I hadn't showered in two or three months. I mean, I was dead. Absolutely dead. I had no feeling. I couldn't cry. I mean, this is, you know, spiritual death. And spiritual death takes time, multiple sins. And I always tell this one, you know, I was laying in bed one night after drinking a case of beer, looking at gay porn, you know, the filthiest you can be. And I said, God, I was like, please, you know, give me a vision of hope. And then this is how God works. He's amazing. My friend Camilla, who, who would always complain that she's never had a dream from God. She don't know if God's hearing from her. She woke up and had a dream and she saw a tree and it was um, it grew and then it it died. And then basically she came back and he had put a sapling in the ground and the, she saw the tree grow into this beautiful tree with my face in it and all these beautiful fruits. And he said, this is a new beginning. Now, in most cases, that would that would be, you know, somebody gets a word from God. That's it. Right. That, that they're happy. Not me. I'm a tough nut to crack only because the ministry I was in focused on certain verses like uh, in Jeremiah it tells you that God will mock you. You know, that the Israelites have become so wicked that, you know, he says, don't even pray for these people. I will mock them in their calamity. And that's what was in my head. I thought, oh, yeah, I got excited. I'm like, oh, he loves me. I have another. I'm like, no, he's just mocking me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, was a hard nut to, nut to crack, you know. And, and even during this time, a friend of mine woke up and said that she saw uh, a tornado hit me and unlock the chains on my hands at the same time. A friend of mine, another prophet said he had a panoramic vision where he saw me trying to kill myself, which I did. I had a gun in my mouth at some point. And I'm not going to tell all the details, but he said he saw angelic intervention and he saw me on top of a mountain as an eagle going down and helping others out of their sin. And myself, and this was all happened within a couple months. I was having these reoccurring tornado dreams I've had my whole life and I've never understood them until now. I know the Bible talks about a whirlwind. Um, one person I showed my testimony started weeping when they saw it, you know, and, and another person had a vision out loud is confirming this, but you know, and, and you can read up what tornadoes mean that they, you know, restoration, you know, the tearing down of old ways, but I had this dream and it was so vivid and I was sucked up in this tornado and it was terrifying is the most terrifying dream I've ever had. But at the end of the dream, I was on top of a mountain and it was perfect peace on a sunset that I, and by the way it's been three and a half years now that same peace in that dream is the same peace that i have now it's it surpasses all understanding so it was a prophetic dream i didn't understand it at the time you know because the book of job job 30 i think tells you that god will send you a dream in the night he'll send you multiple dreams to keep you from the pit he also sent me warning dreams he sent me a dream i was being lowered into a volcano i could literally feel the fire on my feet when I woke up. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty terrifying. But anyway, it, you know, and that lasted the whole, the whole process lasted about four or five years. And, you know, like I said, I was on the verge of suicide many times, but as, as things progressed, you know, and as things got better, um, basically towards the end, you know, my friend, Nick, and, you know, he, he had been with me the whole time. He's like, he, he would contact me. He's like, he's like, I just had a vision of a key. It was like a key. I was like, what do you, what does that mean? It's like, I've just seen a white key. 
was like, okay. And I was like, I'm doomed anyway. It doesn't matter. You know, cause like, remember I came out, I was having delusions for, for a little bit. I thought the FBI was after me, all kinds of stuff. And I'm a psychology major with two degrees. This is God extremely humbling me. Okay. And so, you know, and, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, key, whatever, you know, and then a few weeks later, you know, things started to get better. You know, like the Bible tells you, if you draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. And, and you know, God has a certain amount of time. He usually puts you in chastisement. It's almost like a bubble. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a butt whooping. You know, you are a child of God. This is why I tell people all the time, if you're getting a butt whooping, rejoice. You're not being abandoned. Just just don't faint. That means that you are one of his. If you're not getting abandoned, then you have some serious issues you need to work out. But he, and then a few days after that, he goes, he's, man, I'm seeing another vision again. I was like, well, what are you seeing? He's like, I'm seeing that key. I was like, well, what's up with the key? What does the key mean? And he's like, it's coming through a door. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, it looks like a rock album or something. It's really cool. It's like, it's, it's coming, it's handing through the door. I'm like, all right. And then the very next day, my friend Jonah, the one that had the original uh, vision, you know, that said I would be delivered. He said he woke up, he, you know, God woke him up out of sleep, wide awake. And he said before him, he saw Jesus and he was standing at an archway of an open door. And I was I was like in shock because, you know, my interpretation of that. And by the way, after that happened, it was almost like everything dissipated. The delusions went away. Just joy and peace flooded me. I mean, it was like being saved all over again. I'm not saying I didn't have problems for the first six months, but like I started weeping you know, the, you know, I'm speaking in tongues, like crying at work. Like my, it's like my feelings got restored. And, and it was like, you know, and, and when he did that, you know, and basically my interpretation is this, because remember I told like from the very first, I said there was a vision of a man of God, you know, he wrote 12 books and he's the first thing he said was behold, I stand at the door and knock, which is like I said, it's a Laocidian verse, right? So five years at the very end of my chastisement, now he's at an open door. Now, if you read the Church of Philadelphia, it says, I stand, I open a door that no man can shut. So I believe you can be like a Laocidian believer and go into what you would call Philadelphia. You know, just believe, you know, I believe you can be a righteous man and fall back into wickedness, right? And that's my interpretation of it. And, you know, and like I said, I've continued to get deliverance, but like I, for 40 years, like all the partying I've done, everybody goes, oh, look at all these people you party with, these rock stars, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't remember my 20s. And I was always up and down. I was always depressed. I was on mood stabilizers. I was like, you know, I was pessimistic. I was like, three and a half years now since that day when that when that vision was given at the end and my time of chastisement. It's almost like the book of Revelation says it's going to put you in prison for 10 days. I sort of felt like, right? Nothing but, I, I can't even explain it. It's like every day is like Christmas morning. You know, I'm weeping constantly and his joy and his peace, you know, speaking in tongues, things that I always wanted to do, but I had to go through hell to get there. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't, but like, I mean, I believe, you know, the Bible talks about in Hebrews, you know, it talks about a son, you know, passing under a rod, you know, chastisement. A lot of these people out here have never been chastised. A lot of people do not have the fear of the Lord. They're very shallowly saved. They're saved on intellect, right? You know, they think Jesus is like Luke Skywalker. He's a mythical creature. You know, I put him on the shelf over here, but I'm not a disciple. So, you know, that's technically, you know, my story. And, and like a story, my story is to encourage because he was with me the whole time. Like I said, I tell people all the time, my socials will be down in the bottom of TikTok. I'm single, no kids. I'm financially, you know, pretty secure. So I have nothing but time to encourage and exhort people. You know, I have people always telling me, well, you don't understand. I, I did this sin and this sin. So it's kind of like a big game of, um, I know you are, but what am I? Okay, okay, let me tell you what I did. 
<laughs> and I was like, I did this and I did way worse. And guess what? He gave me a vision. He wasn't even mad at me. And that's not to say to excuse your sin, because anybody that is in sin should know by now the torment and the fear that they're feeling right now is not where you want to be, because there is no high like the most high. There is no uh, feeling in the world that is. And, and you know this because you're doing your destiny right now and what you're doing. There's nothing that beats serving the king. You know what I mean? And that's my message. You know, like I said, you know, my, you know, my end message is you can contact me at any time. I'm here for any of you. I want to be a testament of that mercy of not only how wicked I was and he saved me, but I was wicked way after, you know, I got saved. And then this was after seeing miracles, you know, healing the sick, you know, seeing all kinds of, you know, angelic visitations, you know, and most people haven't gotten to that. I tell baby Christians all the time. I was like, if you're some Baptist that's been saved three years and you don't know no better, there is so much grace for you. Not excusing your sin, but like, listen, unless you've gone up here, there's there's levels to this thing. I think most people, mature Christians, understand that you can't just blaspheme the Holy Spirit by saying a thought out of your mouth that you're a baby Christian. I don't believe that, you know. Steve, this is so. such a redemptive story, and God never gives up on any of us. And it's no. even redemptive for Brian, isn't it? Your friend? Here, here's the deal with Brian. You know, I pray for Brian. Like I said, I, this is weird. You know, most people, you know, with, you know, when they hear the term Satanist, right, you know, they think, oh my God, you know, he's sacrificing children. First of all, like, you know, I mean, he does live interviews. You can put Brian Warner, it's W-E-R-N-E-R, -E -E not Warner, Marilyn Manson. And he'll, you'll come up. He talks about where his father uh, basically abandoned him. He became a Christian later on. And, and that really affected his life. He's technically a Jew. Um, He's very big on freedom and, and Trump. And he's, he's got a lot of morals besides blasphemy and singing for death metal bands. And he's a multimillionaire, but you know, he, he speaks out all the time that, you know, he's, he's against, you know, you know, one of his, uh, he talks about it. So this isn't gossip or anything. This is common knowledge, but like, you know, one of his girlfriends aborted his child and he'll never forgive her for it. Like, so he has these morals and I believe because of the tribulation, right? You know, the, there ain't going to be no atheist in, uh, coming up very shortly with all these things. And um, I believe I have hope for him. It, it, it's one of those things that stretches my faith. You know, I, I always said, you know, when I was saying half the prayers in this testimony, I had no faith for it. But, you know, the Bible says when his faith, his faith remains, not ours, when my faith fails. So when I pray for Brian, I say, you know, God, this is this is stretching my faith here. But but I see an Israelite type spirit in him. And he's not like the worst person in the world. And he has more morals than some. I, he has more morals than a lot of lukewarm Christians. Absolutely. Um, during uh, the Parkland shooting down there in Florida, because that's where he's from. He, he was out there with his dog, uh, with all the victims, letting them pet the dog. I mean, he's got a heart, you know, it's just I think that he's holding on to a lot of resentment. But I have hope for him. Now, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. When you're a multimillionaire, you know, what I mean, the more money and all that, it's a little bit harder. But coming up in these days. When when there's going to you can't you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, just ignore the signs of the times because I've been in arguments with him for, for for a Satanist priest and for as much money as he makes He's kind of stupid. Like one of his arguments was the Council of Nicaea was in like 1500. I'm like the Council of Nicaea was not in the year 1500. Like for somebody that supposedly is so satanic. Right. But like when you sit down with them, like I said, I tell people he's he's, he's a moral guy. I know it's crazy. You know, he is. um friends with some very big Republican leaders in the, in the national convention too. I can't remember one of the guy's name. He's a gay Republican too. He's friends with him. He's, he's got a lot of heavy hitters that he's friends with that are moral people too. 
so the question, yeah, yeah, I have hope for him, but yeah, it, it stretches my faith, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would learning. like to. Well, I mean, I would like. Well, he doesn't like me anymore because we're on two opposite, you know, ends of the spectrum. But I might be going down to Florida at the, you know, end of the year, you know, to go on a cruise or something. And they're like, I wouldn't mind sitting. Down. I can't hang out with people like that, you know. But bad, bad company corrupts moral, you know. But I, I'm not religious where I can't sit down with a person and and you know, because he's he's this close, you know. Like, where's my finger at? <laughs> Anyway, he's th he's close. Like I said, you know, he gets morally outraged over communism. You know, like I said, he's not big on abortion, but at the same time, he's so freedom. He believes you have a right to choose, you know, and, I, and, and that's just yeah. how it is. But like I said, I see a lot of light in the guy. Yes. And God can do amazing things. And he has a unique design plan for each of us and how he wants to bring just like he did with you. And absolutely. Uh, even in my prayers with Brian, you know, I plead with God and I'm like, hey, you know, this guy hasn't even done some of the wicked things I've done. I've done some horrible, I was a bad person. And it was, you know, it wasn't, it, 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 you know, when you spoil a kid and you've, you're running around with hundreds of pounds of drugs and you're doing whatever you want. And, you know, my poor mother, she's like Mother Teresa, like she ain't really never done a drug in her life, but she didn't know how to control a, 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 a devil, basically, was, was what I was back then. But I was like, this guy, I was like, I was like, I've done more wickedness than him. You know, if you can save me, you can save anybody, right? You know, so I hope during the end times, you know, my prayers increase end times because there's there's going to be a light. Nobody's going to be able to deny what's coming upon the earth. Yeah, but part of the reason I'm doing this is for those people that are going to see this in the next two years because, like I, I try to explain a little bit, when I woke up in 2008, right, when Obama was coming, you know, Obama was the Antichrist and the swine flu and all the other stuff that was going on back then, people were going to wake up out of the matrix scared yeah. to death. That's yeah. what I was. I woke up. I wanted to be saved, but like, who, who do I trust? There's 15,000 denominations, you know, a Vatican, the aliens. I mean, like what conspiracy theory? I tell people all the time. This is my number one advice for all new Christians. Mm. Conspiracy theories. It's, it's needed. It's part of it. Spend less time on that. Go out and help the poor. Take some of your money. Go down to the soup kitchen. You know, my friend owns one. Go down there and help people that are less fortunate than you. Um, Go and serve at a local church. Humble yourself because there's a lot of rogues out there that don't have any discipline. I was like, and, and Satan works on fear. He's a master magician. If he can get you to curse yourself with your words and, and focus on the Vatican and every conspiracy all day, you're not going to grow. But if you, you know what I'm saying? Because the Bible tells you, think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And baby yeah. Christians are going to wake up to these, you know, it's, it's already happening, right? Especially when the world wars start and all these things. They're going to be terrified. And that's what I'm here for. I'm like, you know, I try to tell people all the time, come to me. Let me, you know, let, you know I know you're a little baby. Let me change your diapers. You know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> God is not, God is not the unmerciful tyrant. Satan has lied to the whole world. He is not that way. He is joy. He is love. He is peace. And he is much forgiving, you know, and just most people don't know that. I didn't know that. I thought he was like, I read the church fathers, you know, I thought he was like the most evil guy. I'm like, I'll serve him, but I, I'm probably going to hell. <laughs> you know, that's not how he is at all. I've met him. <laughs> right. That's a good point. You know, just keep your eyes uh, and your heart centered on the Bible and serving and just uh, what the Bible says and not what the culture is saying. And I love that the testament and the fruit for you is you've had supernatural peace, which is what he gives us for the past three years. And it's here oh, yeah. to stay. And I'm so thankful. And you're going to continue to do amazing things for him. And I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your story. Steve. I appreciate and you having me with a supernatural peace. 
I, like yeah. I said, I had a new life. Like I, I went from being the most selfish. I was helping the homeless, like I loving God, but like I didn't have that peace, that assurance, right? Because the Bible tells you that you have to make your calling and election sure. That means that you can't just, you have to pursue God. And I'm living proof that when you pursue him, that he will reward you because I'm being rewarded with blessing upon blessing, finances, everything you can think of because I sought him and I did, I gave up temporarily, but it was, it kind of didn't count because it was a false Jesus I was worshiping. It was not the God of the Bible. And, and, you know, I just want to be that guy that can help you along because 70 times seven, I tell people all the time, these sinless perfection guys, it's your attitude. One of the visions that was given to me was that the kingdom of God is about attitudes. You can fall if your attitude is right. You know, but like I tell people all the time, if you if you got this attitude, well, you know what? I'm going to get on this app here and I'm going to sneak out. I'm going to sleep with this woman. I'm going to repent later. Don't get me wrong. God's still merciful, but you're going to get spanked for that one. And you're, he, he is not going to... Uh, don't play games with God because that's usually how people end up in the position that I was in. They think that they can uh, get away with things or you're going to get a false teacher. The minute someone gets saved, I'm a firm believer that Satan comes in. He sees potential. First of all, he knows who's a threat and who's not going to really be a threat. So he's going to try to get you off into works and some false religion, or he's going to try to get you off into, you know, into la la land where you just go around in circles and you're not productive for the kingdom. He's going to get you focusing on flat earth and every other conspiracy out there. And I'm not saying I'm against conspiracies, but if he can distract you and I see baby Christians that are 20 years in the faith, they haven't done anything. They're, they're saved. I hope, <laughs> but like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're constantly just, everything's Bill Gates. I'm like, you know, okay, Bill Gates, all this. When's the last time that you spent two hours worshiping the Lord and fasting and prayer? When did that happen? And I get crickets, you know, <laughs> so. I just want to say lastly that the Lord brought you back through supernatural encounters, dreams, mm -hmm. visions, and you're at a place of full peace and restoration. And so how would you encourage as we close that for those that want that lost sheep to come home? Oh, uh, you mean like for parents that have been praying and all that kind of things, like, yeah. you know, the prodigal sons? Hang in there. Like I said, show, like I said, sh you know, like I said, my socials will be down there. Share it, you know, share it with your sons. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, especially homosexuals, because remember my, my, my goal is for the homosexual, the prodigal, the, the, the person that, because like I said, it's a pit. It's hard to get out of the pit. I got people that contact me all the time. Like you need to do this ministry. This is a great ministry. So, you know, obviously prayer, you know, I mean, I, I can't give the magic bullet, you know what I mean? Like my mom it was the same way, you know, uh, like I, I, all I can do is encourage the parent <laughs> that there is hope for the kid. And like I said, I don't, I don't think most of the people, like I said, fall away because they want to sin. Don't get me wrong. There's some, I think people just get into false teachings and they get into, I'm all about works, right? I mean, faith without works is dead, but you, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bad part of that too, where you just think you can earn like me. I was paying back. I, I believe in restitution, but I was paying back everything I stole. I was doing the right things. But remember that, the, uh, you know, I told you a girl, Ashley had a vision that I hated him. Now that's, that's something that people need to wake up to. Cause remember I had to change life. I, I thought that I loved him, but my heart wasn't right with him because your heart can be far from him. And I, and I don't believe that necessarily always means that you're not going to be saved. I mean, there is, there is least in the kingdom. There's outer courts. You know, th these are higher level teachings that people in the West just don't understand. They just think it's heaven and hell all the time. You know, God, uh, I've read many books where his judgments, you know, you can end up least in the outer court. You could, you know, rewards. But like I said, is keep praying. Like I said, my advice is more for the ones that are seeking their way out. And I keep telling them, like I said, go help the poor. 
you know, go down there, get some cans, bring it to the kitchen, go take that homeless person, put a blanket on them, because that is how you're going to connect to God. That is the pure and defiled, undefiled religion. It's not going to be singing. Hymn- I'm, I'm all for hymnals, but it's not going to be singing hymnals and warming a pew. It is not going to be, you know, hey, I, I, I donated this money. So now my conscience is appeased, you know, because I just looked at porn and now I did a good deed over here. So that it doesn't work like that. It's a heart transformation. I, I tell people one of the number one prayers I tell people, ask God to change the perception that you have of them, because a lot of people have a wrong perception and to ask God to let you see people as he sees them. And that will change your entire life. Let's pray you, on that. Start, yeah, when you start seeing when you start seeing the homeless guy or the homosexual, you don't see him as the homosexual. You see him as the kid who got raped that didn't have a dad figure. You know what I'm saying? And that will change everything. That's really good. That's really good, Steve. Yeah. Will you will you pray pray for us and our audience? Okay, Heavenly Father, you know Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for this time and for this opportunity to witness to your future prodigal sons that over the next couple of years are going to see this teaching. And I want them to be encouraged, Father, because you've anointed my head to do this. You've called me to do this, and I'm obeying you in all things. And I pray for all the mothers watching. I pray for all the prodigal sons watching that you will be restored. I declare that those dead bones will rise. Okay. And if if the devil comes at you with any false accusations, if he comes at you telling you you're not good enough, remember this testimony and go to God and ask him to change your perception and ask him to change your heart. If you don't, if you've got it, remember being handed over the tormentors is for unforgiveness. If, If you've been hurt at church, if you have church hurt, the pastor has done you wrong and you can't forgive that pastor. You go outside and you say, God, please help me to forgive him because I don't forgive him right now. And I don't feel like, and he will work with you. And then, like I said, go out and do good works. You don't have much time. You know, a lot of people, we don't have this luxury of having another 20 years, you know, get on it, help the poor, you know, help the widow, help the orphan and stay away from hours and hours of conspiracy theory. That is my main advice, you know, and then on my channel, I do videos about the prodigal on whether you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit or not and what the elements and the levels of that are, uh, how to return to God. So you can click on there and you can contact me anytime through my socials, through my Facebook, through my TikTok, and I will be glad to help you along this journey. Amen. Jesus name. Amen. Yes.